You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the Draven tooth comes from the Green Dragon. Welcome to Green Dragon Shorts with Jeremy interviewing David. Greetings. About the Gorgoroth Beast. Now, David is our resident expert on the Gorgoroth Beast. He has used more of these models than I think anyone possible, including, I think at one point, borrowing some of mine to add to an army. So, David, first of all, can you just express your love for the Gorgoroth Beast? Well, I'll correct you at the start. It's not a Gorgoroth Beast. It's a great beast of Gorgoroth. And the great is important, because these are indeed great. Now, is it great as in it's, like, big, or is it great as in it's fantastic? First one, and then the other. Gotcha. These are big models, and they are fantastic. Both the models and the rules. Some of the rules could be even more fantastic. We'll probably get to that (laughs) later. But in-game, they are a joy to play. They actually look really, really cool. I've got one of mine, and I absolutely love the model, and and I enjoy playing it on the the table as well. It feels like, I don't know, I I know for you, but... You put down a Gorgoroth piece, no one complains about playing it. Like, it's fun for both sides. You put down a Mumak, and sometimes you get a bit of an eye roll. This is actually how I ended up at the Great Beast, because I used to be a big Mumak player. And it's not that it's not interactable. There's strategies for and against a Mumak, but at some point in the game, it comes down to a big 50-50 roll-off, and one player wins. I came second at the Australian Masters one year because I won six key roll-offs mm. that tournament. The following year, I took the same list to a different tournament. I came in the bottom handful of players because I lost six key roll-offs and I walked away with best sports because everyone was like, yeah, your list was so rubbish, I've got to give you something. Because with Moomarks, it comes down that 50-50. Of course, Gorgoroth Beasts are watered down, both their strengths and weaknesses are watered down, and so you still get those same highs and lows, but they don't affect the entire outcome of the game. So you can Mm. have your Great Beast fun without, yeah, spoiling someone's day. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I've noticed that you've got... How many do you own, David? Two? So, I own two at the moment. I'd love to own more, but I will warn you in advance, putting them together is... It's a task. Uh, The original ones were fine cast. Uh, The new ones are merely resin. Uh, You can tell because the legs actually attach in different spots. It's kind of odd. Oh, The original fine cast ones, the model came in half, the beast did. So, you had to... Had a mold line around the entire, you know, body. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new ones have two legs that come off separately, so there's a lot ah. less mold line fixing. Interesting. Okay, because I um, I think I might have passed one of mine onto yours as well. I had a, I had a couple. Maybe I've only got one now. I, I I have to check. But I had I had the yeah the half one, and it was mine wasn't particularly good. Um, it was like Swiss cheese at the bottom, so I had to like re-sculpt some chains. I had to put two halves together. But it's good to hear that they've adjusted it slightly. Yeah, it, it's still a lot of work. But having put together both, the resin ones are much nicer mm. than the fine cast ones. And you know what? The orcs on top are pretty damn cool, aren't they? They are. They're all unique sculpts for the Gorgoroth mm. Beast. This actually does cause some problems uh, later when we get into the rules and how high the model is and how much fall damage it takes. <laughs> but from a modeling point of view, they look amazing. Warning, painting this thing is a pain because I hate painting things in sub-assembly because you don't get that feel of the whole coming together. This is a model you have to paint in sub-assembly because the orcs only just fit. They're all sort of crowded yeah. in. There's no way you're getting a brush in there. At the very least, you need your orcs separate from your model. Like, I think you could probably do the howder and the beast together at the same time. That's not really an issue, but yeah, get the orcs separate. So, And I see you've also converted up some pikemen as well, the pike orcs for the, the ground for when the models fall off. Yeah, so because I've got two of them, I converted up a separate captain for my second beast. So then I had a spare great beast commander 
to create a foot version. Mm. Now, I like that a lot because it, it is a captain, isn't it? It's got some might. So it, you want it to stand out when it jumps on the ground, inevitably. Yes, and it's got a spear and an extra point of courage over a regular captain, but it doesn't have heroic march. Mm. So you actually do have to tell them apart when they get on the ground. Yep. Yeah, no, that, 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 and having that, that, it's essentially a pike you've got. I know it counts as a spear, but it's a pike. I think that's great. And it's really obvious who they are. I had a game where both of them got dismounted and they're fighting foul beasts, and it looked really cool because they've got these absolutely giant pikes that have aimed at the sky with these foul beasts flapping around over the top. It provided absolutely no benefit against foul beasts, but it looked cool. Mm, mm. So, David, can you, let's let's get you to, to take this now because I could talk about these guys forever, but but I have on the Mordor episode. So, can you just go explain how the Gorgoroth Beast plays and how you like to use it? So, the Gorgoroth Beast is a war beast. So, at the start of its move, it pivots on the spot, you point it in a direction, it goes off its eight inches, and it deals two strength six hits to anything that it happens to contact on the way. Uh, I love using one as a distraction because it looks cool uh and the opponent will naturally be drawn to it because it is a war beast uh it's not actually that lethal on the attack it's only got it's only got three or so attacks in combat it's only doing the two strength six hits on the charge so it's not actually dealing out that much damage any bottom run captain can tank the charge with a little bit of luck uh and then the counter charge comes piling back in uh and most opposing armies once you get to about 600 points can heroic combat off one of these things they're five wounds, they're defense seven, they can't be trapped, but that is a big base size, and it attracts a lot of angry attention back. Mm. How, do you take Kardosh very often with the Great Beast? I tend not to, um, mainly because I took these to a sort of partner doubles-ish tournament uh, a while back. Uh, we were the great team of Gorgoroth, uh, and my partner was taking Kardosh, so I figured I should probably get in some training without Kardosh. Mm. I will say you do need a shaman of some form with these models, because whereas a Mumak can have an upgraded commander, you can have a Royal Mumak at Courage 6 on the top, so when it takes wounds, it takes a Courage test at Courage 6. The Great Beasts are testing at Courage 4 with only a single point of will behind them. So if you don't have a shaman to ride up next to your Orc commander and say, Oi, pay attention, then the opponent's going to borrow your Great Beasts and turn them around. Yeah, see, I just always pass that courage, so I'm not too worried about that. But I, I can see your point there. I pretty much, I, I have my one painted up, and Kardush walks beside it the whole game. My ally did tell me good stories about, yeah, Kardush burning down people with his great beast in tow. Yeah, because basically you sacrifice the orcs in the howder and use it to, to power up your fireball. But David, are you as lucky as I am with the shooting in the, the orcs on top? Every second game. So it's got nine orcs up top. They always count as being stationary. Uh, I've seen these guys kill two Royal Guard per turn over like six turns. Uh, other games will just do nothing. But when they're on fire, your opponent will know about it. So I find that whenever there's heroes on horses, once the Gorgoroth Beast shows up, there's no more heroes on horses. Works particularly well with Kardush as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's probably it. That's probably, probably the combination I do as well. But I find them... It's actually one of the most reliable evil shooting you get because you've got a lot of shots at fives to hit. And it happens every turn. So even if your army's on the move, you still get that shooting. If you've dug in stationary, you still get that shooting. It's just reliable damage output. Have you ever pulled the uh, Storm the Camp or Reconnoitre the Great Beast? I've played it against Great Beasts. Uh, and 
it is terrifying seeing what's that nine orcs plus the captain plus the beast itself 11 models coming across the table towards you uh same thing in reconnoiter or even hold ground where it's just 11 models all stamp into the middle of the board i managed to play a game with mine and and, and i got it flung it into the the opponent's camp and won the game from that end of the game and it was a very proud moment to have just this like, battleship coming up and to storm the camp and, and arrive there. I had to have it dancing backwards and forwards to, to do that, but it, it was fine. It stayed in there. It just sort of turned around your donuts the whole time. Excellent. That is how I picture them when I'm playing. These are land ships. They're the, they're the Mordor land ship committee has gotten together. They're these armored bethamonts with, you know, uh, missile weapons facing in every direction, just sort of cruising their way across the field. Now, David, can you go through some of the rules, uh, ambiguities you've got? Because I know you've played these guys enough and there's been a thousand questions. Yes. So this is the thing I've got to warn you about. If you're planning to take War Beasts to a tournament, you'll have to spend about 20 minutes at the start of every game sitting down with your opponent and your TO to run through these because the rules are only about half written. So I've got myself a checklist uh, of things to check. Firstly, in no particular order, terrain. When a War Beast hits a piece of terrain... If it's less than two inches tall, the war beast just goes over it, no problem. If it's difficult terrain, it slows down as normal. But if it hits a solid piece of terrain more than two inches tall, it stops. If the terrain has a defense of nine or higher, a war beast takes three strength nine hits. Now, that just shows up during the movement rules. It doesn't say at the start of the game, discuss with your opponent what the defense of the terrain is or anything like that. It just springs it on you partway through. It could be argued that no terrain has a defense value except for siege gates um, and doors. Um, Even siege walls these days are no longer defense 100. Maybe they have a defense value. It never actually says. You've got to talk through it with your opponent. Because if you're playing in, say, a town uh, with a lot of terrain, if every piece of terrain is doing three strength nine hits to you, you need to know about that going in. Uh, Again, practicing for a tournament, we tried that. We played a game where the terrain was defense nine, my beast didn't make it halfway through the village. Because once they get compelled once, they nick a building, they take straight three strength nine hits, which forces at least two courage tests at courage four. They turn around, they hit the next building. They turn around, they hit the next yep. building. So you need to know if your terrain has defense and wounds. The advantage is if it's got defense eight or less, you can destroy it without taking damage and you can charge through and you can stomp all over your opponents who are hiding behind it. Mm. So it might work for you, it might work against you. You need to know which way it's going. Yeah. So basically, as from a tournament organizer's point of view, if someone came up to me and asked about this, I'm going to say, and I'm going to use common sense here, mm-hmm. which I know that the, the latest FAQ has established a precedent where that is fine. Yes. I am going to look at anything that will legitimately hurt the Golgoth beast. So just say a, a charging rhinoceros thing runs into it, it's going to hurt it. So things that that will not break. So things like trees, I'm just going to say, just just trample them, ignore it, who cares? Like, I think you can just brush aside them. But if it's like a stone wall that's like fortified, I'm going to say, yep, okay, now that's going to cause problems. Anything that's really spiky that looks like it's going to hurt, yeah, absolutely. But like, so so you, you've seen my um my new uh, dog old door terrain? Yes, with the spikes. I would say that's going to take some strength nine hits. That thing will hurt if you're coming up against it. It's going to empower you. It's got bricks. I think that stuff's going to hurt. If you're assigning a defense value, would you also assign a wounds value? <laughs> is it destroyable? Because the most common response I've had when bringing these things to tournaments is no defense, no wounds. It's just an object. You can't destroy it. You can't interact with it. Because mm. then 
if it's destroyable, I remove it, and then the board's got been deterrained, and then somebody's got to set that back up when we're done, and it just creates hassle yeah. for the TO. So most TOs just say, no, nah, it's just an immovable thing. You just stop. So they're, they're, but that's not in the rules, is it? That's no. just their interpretation. of Which is, I think, for a tournament, that's probably a fine interpretation. For a friendly game, I would probably just sign it wounds values. Okay. Uh, moving on to my second point that you need to discuss with your opponents, how much fall damage your models are going to take when they fall out the top. Because fall damage, you yeah. take one strength three hit if you fall the height of the model and an additional strength for every inch after that. Yep. Now, does that include the base? Um, when checking for height of models when moving over objects, you're meant to count the full height. So if they're hunched over, you're meant to figure out how tall they are yeah, if they weren't yeah, yeah. hunched over. The models on the top are the special resin models, which means they're smaller than average orcs. Is that deliberate or was that an accident when, you know, sculpting? Are they? I never even noticed that. Well, it's because they're all crouched down. So they all, or they're all hunched over. Mm. So they definitely look smaller mm. than other orcs, except that one's got his leg kicked out funny. So maybe he's taller. If we assume it's a 28 mil model, that's 28 mil from the soles of the feet to the eyes, <laughs> which would make it about a 30 mil tall on average. <laughs> But yeah, so I've heard people argue between one to three fall damage from a Gorgoroth Beast. So basically sit down with your opponent at the start and go, look, it's roughly this tall, they're roughly this high, I've sculpted mine to be walking through a marsh, I haven't actually, but (laughs) this is where it comes into the modelling for advantage question as well, because if you wanted to take less fall damage, you would have taller orcs on a shorter beast. Um, (laughs) So You're getting ridiculous, David. Uh, so, So for this one... That's a, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I my rule for my one when I play it, and the opponents have always agreed with me on this one, is the uh, three hits for the one on the ridge in the middle, and two for the other ones. Yep, that's perfectly workable. Um, it might be more than others, but like it's just it feels about right to me. Yeah. Other times I've had it ruled just two hits all over because yep, then fine. you get the if one of them dies, oh, it happened to be that yeah, one, and like you could just glue them on differently, and then you'd take different amounts of hits. Yep. So. And the ridgeline is borderline. It could definitely be two hits, depending on how you measure. Yep. I feel like you also you could give them all like harnesses, and then it wouldn't be an issue at all. Agreed. Uh, again, if you just sculpted a lower <laughs> beast, uh, which actually comes into the great beast rules interactions, uh, if a great beast is in combat with another uh, war beast, the smaller war beast backs off. So. Uh, Clearly, they've assumed that if a, a war beast hits a war beast, one of those war beasts will be bigger and one of them will be smaller. So it's mm. implied that that was intended. Is that, but that's for a Mulmak against a Gorgoroth beast, isn't it? No, that's for any model that never backs away is in combat with any other model that never backs okay. away. The smaller of the two models that never backs away, backs away. Yep. Uh, if you get into the specific war beast interactions, it gets worse because war beasts have a special rule, unstoppable force. A war beast on the charge... Oh, a war beast that gets its war beast equivalent of charging will knock down any model if it wins the fight, including model, including monsters with lower or equal strength. Now, because it's any model, we assume that also means monsters with higher strength, but that's not included in the example. <laughs> the problem is war beasts also have a rule that says this model can never be knocked over by any model. Yep. So does the immovable object withstand the irresistible force? They don't tell you. No, and I don't think they know, really. Like, does anyone know that? Okay. So, this that's, is, that's, that's this like is one of those questions you've got to bring up. when you, If you and your opponent have war beasts, you have to discuss that at the start of the game. The other trick, if a war beast hits a war beast, both war beasts take three strength nine hits. Uh, 
which is fine if you're Mumak and you would normally do three strength nine hits, but then they added Great Beasts of Gorgoroth. If a Great Beast of Gorgoroth hits a Mumak, do both models then take three okay. strength nine yep. hits? If the And is this in addition to the regular trample damage? Is this special collision damage? So, if a Mumak with Tusk weapons charges your Great Beast, does the Great Beast take seven Strength 9 hits and the Mumak take three? <sighs> no. If the War Beast charges the Mumak, if the Great Beast charges the Mumak, does the Mumak take two Strength 6s and three Strength 9s while the Great Beast takes three Strength 9s? I think I... Let's... I think just the strength nines. I think the strength nines is a bit silly because it's definitely a Mumak rule. Yes, because if I would two say, great beasts hit each other, yeah. they both take three strength nines. I think that's the case, and I think it's silly, but I think that's the case. I don't think you what get... What if one of them had Tusk weapons? Would it do the four hits? No, I don't had think so. No, no, no. I, I, think it's, I think it's a simplification of that one, and I think it's an abstraction, and I think it's not necessarily good, but that's how I would rule that one. That's all good. Uh, next thing you will have to check with your opponent is diagonal measurement. Uh, Lord of the Rings is very bad when it comes to yes, yes. vertical distances and things and do you measure diagonally there are two areas where the specified diagonal measurement is a thing if shooting from a war beast you measure from the base of the model shooting to the model of the model being targeted we assume <laughs> that works both ways and everything then has to measure diagonally uh, similarly if the commander calls a heroic move the War Beast is always assumed to be in range, even though its base is more than six inches away if you're a Mumak or something like that. So this like is that. a problem one, because the Mumak, every model's on a little base, so you, it sort of makes sense you can measure to those bases, yes. whereas this one, they're not. Correct. I, I just use the base at the bottom. Yep. The problem is, yeah, a lot of... Th- it affects your auras in both directions. Yeah, it does. Because you've got heroic moves and things like that, which are supposed to be from the commander's base. There's also other things carrying range to him. Uh, for instance... You would have to draw your shooting to the model mm. rather than to the Mumak or the Great Beast. Fury is a big one because if you want to get Fury in range of the Commander, there's a big difference between the front of the Great Beast and the back of the Great Beast. Yeah, look, I, I personally, David, if I'm playing against you, I'm saying I'm just measuring everything from the bottom of the Beast. Like, let's. That's fine. Long as both players are doing that yeah. and you agree in advance. Yeah, it's it ebb and flows. There's going to be some things that it's better for and some things it's worse. Okay. I have another one for you. Mm-hmm. Would you count the Great Beast of Gorgoroth as a battlefield target or a siege target? And I'll explain why this oh, is important. Oh, no. Because the Mumak says siege target. the Mumak is clarified as a, siege ta- as a siege target. It says so in the rulebook, and then they FAQ'd that the Haudar of a Mumak is also a siege target. And I'll explain why this is important. If you target a siege weapon that scatters at a model in a Haudar of a war beast and you roll a 2-5 to five on a scatter, the shot will automatically hit the War Beast itself. That's in the War Beast rules. Mm. Now, if you're a siege target, you're immune to the instant kill, and you're immune to the splash damage off that. If you're a battlefield target, it means on a 2-5, to five, you've just hit the War Beast, and you've just instant killed it. I have had TOs rule that these are battlefield targets, because they're quite clearly smaller yeah. than a Mumak which luckily I didn't run into any siege engines, but if I had, yeah. on a 2-5, to five, the shot will automatically scatter into the beast. If it's a volley shot, there's an in-the-way on the howdar, which again raises the question whether that can be instant killed. Um, but if it hits the beast or the howdar, and it's instant killed, all you guys fall out, and it's just bad. Oh, that, David, you're making this a tough one. I can totally see calling it a battlefield target because it is smaller, but from that rules point of view, I think it makes more sense as a siege target um, because like, I feel like... 
just that Warbeast characteristic has tried to save time, but it means that these guys are getting all the Mumak rules without being called a Mumak, so they're not referencing a Mumak, and they're not they're not a Mumak, but they're pretty much acting like one, aren't they? Yeah, that is the problem, because the Warbeast rules were clearly balanced around having a Mumak. Mm. Um, the three strength nine is a perfect example. So uh, once you start applying Warbeast rules to these smaller Warbeasts, it, it does get tricky. This one's not so controversial. It's just you do have to warn your opponent. They pivot before they move. So even though they move eight, because uh, yep. they're on yep, an yep, oval yep. base, they get extra distance. So just before you start your game, pick up a base, measure the two dimensions and go, right, this is the difference. This is the extra distance I can yep. get. Yep. The last two, it is not cavalry. It is not infantry. Any special rules in the game that refer to cav or infantry mm-hmm. will not apply to a war beast. Uh, this includes things like monstrous charge, because Monstrous Charge works on everything, you think. No, it works on infantry and cavalry. Ah, Doesn't work on War Beasts as written. Yep, yep, I've had yep. TO's rule that it does, because it quite clearly applies to everything, and that was clearly an oversight, which it might be, because War Beasts have been forgotten in every other part of the rules, so why wouldn't they I've be forgotten no here? I've got no issue whatsoever with TO ruling that one, because yes. I, I could see that. I would have ruled the other way. I would have said, said no, because it's not, but... Yeah, yeah. It's just bring it up in advance. Yeah, yeah. Work it out like the siege, like the siege weapons, you need to know whether you're being yeah. instant killed on a two to five. Here, you need to know which special rules will and won't affect you. So this is it just in case I send, or just even cavalry into it. Like if I charge my riders of Rohan into it, I might not get my extra attack. No, because you're not charging infantry. Yeah, you're charging war beast. Uh, it's things like I think Sauron's flames can target any infantry or monster. Basically, they can't target war beasts. Or Siege Engines, I think, is the only other thing. Yeah, there's some weird ones in there, isn't there? So, just double-check all your special rules. Make sure you know what's going to affect who. Uh, which brings us to the last point. You can never actually trap a war beast, but they can count as being trapped under the new FAQ. So, if the enemy <laughs> has a special rule yeah. which says if the model is trapped, you do still have to check if they would be able to push back an inch, yeah. even though they would never be pushed back unless they're fighting a larger, immovable model. Mm. Yeah. I feel like this model could do with an FAQ. Maybe we should email that 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 uh, FAQ email address and see how we go. Quite possibly. Um, I'm not holding my breath. So, as I said, I've just got a list of about nine things which I discuss with my opponent in advance. If you're in a timed tournament, though, uh, and if your tournament timings are tight, maybe consider running a different army. Yeah. Unless you're one of those people who wants to time out a game, in which case you can do so with the best of intentions because you're only doing it for clarity. And you know, I feel like this is a discussion you have with the TO before you bring it. Like, you know when the TO says, hey, you've got a week to submit your list? Yep. I would send all these questions to the TO. I've done say, that yep. in the past. The problem is every one of your opponents will go, are you sure? Yeah. And they'll go, that doesn't sound right. And they'll go, can, can, can we ask? Yeah, fair and enough. And then you go call the TO over, over especially yep. if it's a tournament with multiple TOs and you get a different one that comes over maybe, and he says maybe that Maybe it's the kind right. of thing that, like, if the TO makes a ruling, they just publish it somewhere ahead of time and just say, here's yeah. what I've said about it. Like, this is, I've answered David, he asked me these questions, this was mm-hmm. my answer, and just email it out to everyone or something like that might work. Yeah, or worth just, a shot. Or just have a handout at the start. Like, this is how I'm going to rule Gorgoroth Beast and just have it in writing. Yeah. That might work, Cause it, but it's a bit of a pain to have to do this. I feel like this is exactly the same process I have to go through when I use my Iron Hills Chariot. Like, it's just got so much stuff, it just doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where it's a cool model, it's fun to use, it looks amazing. I strongly recommend you get one if you think you're up for the hobbying challenge, but 
be prepared for some from, for some friendly discussions at the start of your game or some unfriendly discussions during your game if you forgot to have them at the start. See, I don't actually think it's that big a deal, David, because I think most of the time someone's going to walk in, they're going to kill it really quickly, and then all you're going to be left with is four orcs fighting their way through. It depends how many strength hits you take <laughs> when the model's killed. That one, I feel like, because people look at you, you, defa- your disappointment, they often say two because they just see how you're like, oh, I've lost my Gorgroth beast. Like, yeah, look, take two. That's fine. Gives me more orcs to kill. <laughs> Thank you so much, David. I look, I, I agree that Gorgoroth Beasts are fantastic for, for the game. I think that the rules interaction, that war beast is challenging, but I think it's worth getting one of these guys anyway. I, I, I actually prefer them over a Mumak because I feel like they're more accessible in, in most games. Oh, agreed. A Mumak is a Mumak game. If there's a Mumak yeah. on the table, whereas the Great Beast is part of a larger game. Yep. Therefore, you can take two or three of them. Or just take one as like your monster. Like It's it's not that much more than a troll. Yeah, it's 150 points. It comes with its crew. They're excellent value. Yep. They're great fun. Uh, just don't expect it to, to do everything. Every now and then, the opponent botches, and because you can knock down anything, um, I have flash killed the buffed Mordor Troll Chieftain, which botched a combat and got knocked mm. down. Uh, that's only happened once. Don't expect it to happen again. But it did happen once. What's the deal with, with Brutal Power Attacks? Are they usable? Uh, only if it specifies that it can, which in this case it hasn't. Okay, so no Brutal Power Attacks for this guy, so he can't do barge. Correct. Cool. Uh, no Brutal Power Attacks, no Heroic Combats, yep. because the commander isn't actually in the combat. Yep. There is also an errata that says it'll only benefit from a march or move if the commander calls a march or move. Okay. Um, yep. And since the orc version of the commander doesn't have march, no these march things yet. cannot march. I've got no problem with that as well, though, because march is is not march with a war beast. March is, I'm going to smash you. But Mumux can. I know. Especially the royal one. Like yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and we'll talk about Mumux at some point. Look, I, I don't mind that. I think it just makes it more playable. The difference, the main benefit that a great beast has over a Mumak is the commander is lower to the ground, so you can get things like Taskmasters in range. Yep. So if a Taskmaster is standing in front of it, you can get or it shaman. within range. Yeah, or a Shaman, but yeah. they've got to be standing up close at the front unless you're ruling you can measure 20 point on the base. Yep, which I am. But other people might not. That's fine as well. Cool. Well, thanks so much for that, David. That was a, a long short. So uh, we'll, we'll say traps win games unless it's uh, against the Gorgoroth Feast. Then but it's you can now trap it. It <laughs> counts as trapped, even though it's never trapped. So traps still win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe, we're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com slash thegreendragonpodcast. You can contact us via our Facebook page at The Green Dragon Podcast, or on our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.